Tech Talk with Matthew Dickerson. Matthew Dickerson. Sit back and relax. It's time to talk technology. Hallelujah, futurists. You've made it through another week to be right here and right now. Congratulations on your triumph. And as your reward, you get this freshly wrapped episode of Tech Talk. Nice work. And without any further ado, here he is, our tour guide for traveling deep into the next era. It's Matthew Dickerson. How's your week been, Matt? My week's been good, but I've just got one little bugbear from the week. And it's, it's a bit frustrating. We've talked about it a bit before that... We talk about some of the future, some of the modern technology, yeah. some of the things going to happen in our general environment. Some of the hope. Yeah, well, exactly right. Hope is exactly it. And we do talk about electric vehicles and climate change and a whole range of things. Obviously, we focus on the technology. And every now and again, I actually think we're making huge progress. And, yeah. and we have these discussions. Maybe we get in our own little bubble and we go, yes, it's all going <laughs> yeah, fantastically. Right, yeah. Everything looks great in the bubble. That's right. And then you talk to some people in the outside world and you go, oh, we've got a long way to go. And I had yeah. one of those conversations yeah. this week, and it was with a federal politician. And I've mentioned before that I had a federal politician a few months ago who had talked somewhat against electric vehicles during a previous election. Mm. And I said, so what do you think when you drive them? And he'd never been in one, so I gave him a drive mm. one of mine, and he was blown away. He thought that was absolutely fantastic. So this time we talked to these particular, well, this one particular federal politician about some of the strategies that I think we should be employing net zero, just looking at how we get our power in different ways, a whole range of different things. And so at the end of the conversation, I was filled with hope. I thought, mm. yes, here's someone who... There's that word again. <laughs> there's that word. Who thinks that, yes, we've got to move forward. We've got to drive other people. And, and this person's in a position of power where they can make change, both mm. at a government level, but by influencing other people. So I, I was actually filled with hope. And then I said, so, and there were two particular ones there, and I said, so both of you... Just a couple of quick questions. I'm interested in what sort of electric vehicles you drive, and I'm interested in how long you've been ticking the carbon offset on your plane tickets, and just how many solar panels have you got on your house? They seem like obvious things. If you're really going to believe in the future and trying to combat climate change, it's got to start with one individual person. It's yeah, got to start right. with individuals making the choice and making the change. And I was horrified and disappointed oh. with the answers. And in particular, one of the answers was, well, I've got a new diesel four-wheel drive coming next week. Oh, and I've said, surely if you've had to buy a new car, that would have been the opportunity. I get it if you've already had your car for two years, three years, it's not time mm. to turn it over yet, but you're just buying a new one. Why wouldn't you have gone electric? And the answer I got just showed the ignorance that still exists there. Uh, I bought a nice four-wheel drive diesel because I want to be safe. Safe? And, and I don't feel safe in an electric oh, vehicle. Safety. And I did explain a little bit about safety ratings on vehicles and the fact that you don't have this big chunk of metal called an engine <laughs> sitting in front of you in an electric vehicle. In fact, you've got lots of space, a great crumple zone mm. in electric vehicles. I just started to go there, but I could just see the eyes glossing yeah. over and I was getting nowhere, James. So I, I kind of gave up. I don't like to give up, but I went, we have got a long way to go oh, in this dear. country. Anyway, Fear of electrocution, maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Yeah. I, I did say a good, uh, it wasn't Mythbusters, it was a car Mythbusters show where they actually drove an electric vehicle into water to see if it would electrocute all the water. It was a, kind of like a, they dug yeah. a swimming pool into the ground. And I, I thought it was good because some people say it and I knew it wouldn't have any issue there. But of course, they had sensors in the water and surprise, surprise, there was no electricity in the water. They had some <laughs> sensors in the car that cut it off once things were shorted out. But there were all those sort of things. I, and I didn't... Of I've all never, the reasons, that's right. safety. Yeah. That, and I haven't heard that before because it seems to be generally regarded that EVs are very safe and there's a whole range of reports and information you can read about how safe they are. So that that one surprised me, which Perhaps sounded some, like... some QAnon stuff out there on the, uh, maybe, maybe. the ether there that's going on about electric cars being unsafe. And I know you've said it before, sometimes you'll say, oh, there goes one more excuse as to yeah. why you can't move to EVs. But I think that's it. I think people are clutching. They mm. probably don't say the real reason. And it's funny, it's it's kind of an old sales technique that I remember I used to teach some of my sales staff years ago that if someone's got an objection address that objection, even if it's difficult to address, to see mm. if that really was the objection. Because mm. sometimes, I know this is going to come as a surprise, but sometimes people lie. <laughs> sometimes they don't tell you exactly they what they think. for whatever. They yeah. do. So they, if they don't like the colour of something, they might think, well, that's a pathetic reason to give. So they come up with some other excuse about some specs mm. or safety or whatever it might be. You have to dig down to get to the real reason. 
I don't think safety was the real reason in this case because I don't know anyone. I've never heard that one before that safety of an electric vehicle is worse than an ice, and I just I don't get that one. But anyway, we've got a long way to go, James. But hopefully, we're changing opinions well, every week. Yes, a bit by bit. And congratulations are in order for all our listeners today because, folks, you've landed on just the right episode. Today, we've got some great news for uh, fitness freaks. You can now buy a mirror that's going to double as your coach or your, your fitness trainer. For parents of babies that just won't go to sleep, we've hopefully got something of a solution that'll hopefully, well, suit both of you. And did you ever have dreams of colonizing Mars but haven't yet because you were worried that you'd have to give up meat? Well, there might be a solution just around the corner for you. But I tell you, folks, when I was reading through this first story, I thought to myself that this was what our house needs. Thank you, technology. Robot vacuums certainly aren't new, and for people whose dogs don't poop in the lounge room, well, they've been a real gift to the, uh, for the, from the home beautiful domestic overlords. Now, if you don't know uh, what I was talking about with the dog poop reference, just Google dog poop Roomba and, uh, and have a laugh. So in case you were wondering about where the big tech advances are and focused these days, uh, uh, you didn't get the hint, well, there's a new model robot vacuum now that does everything. Uh, and I think it makes you a sandwich at the end after it's done all the housework, maybe. Well, Matt, give us some of the good news here. Well, that does sound reasonable, doesn't it? If you've got to sit there and do nothing while it does the vacuuming, surely yeah. you can sit there and do nothing while it makes a sandwich. Make, and, yeah, yeah, finish yeah. it off. Seems reasonable. The term first world problem does spring to mind when mm. I think of this story. And oh, right. I, I love Weird Al Yankovic, and he's got a great song that's first world problems, and I just think it's fantastic. But this is one of those first world problems. There have been robot vacuum cleaners around for a little while now, for some time. I've owned a few of them and I haven't had any run over poo as you described there and, <laughs> and some of those have been coming out with poo detection so well, that's yeah, good. If you want to track where your Roomba's been just drop a fresh dog poo there. <laughs> that's and right. <laughs> that seems like a good fun thing to do in someone else's house. <laughs> yeah, right. But the problem that I've seen with robot vacuum cleaners and I've got one in one of our shops in, in the premises there and the problem I have there is that we've got some hard floor, some timber floor and some carpet so mm. I really need Two, because I need one to do the mopping on the hard floor and I need one to do the vacuuming on the carpet. That seems like a pretty tough problem to have. Mm. So this new robot vacuum cleaner does fix that problem for me. It does everything. It vacuums and mops. But the other thing that really frustrates me, no end, I have, it keeps me awake at night, this one, James. When it does the vacuuming, I've then got to go over and empty take it? out, empty it. I've got to take the, all the stuff that's collected out and empty that out. And sometimes it's only got a small compartment there. Sometimes I might have to do that once a week. It's just, <laughs> what's going on with that? Well, I'll tell you, Matt, of, of the vacuuming in the house, the problem is not the vacuuming. It's who's going to empty the, the vacuum cleaner <laughs> at our house. And um, yeah, that's where, it, that's a bone of contention. That's a real issue. Well, this one, almost automates everything. It's actually got a docking station that's not like a normal docking station. This docking station has a compartment to take those bits and pieces of rubbish that have been collected. It's got a dirty water and a clean water container. So wow. when this docks, it empties out the little bit of compartment that's in the vacuum cleaner itself that's got lint and dirt and dust, etc. It takes the dirty water out after it's done mopping. Obviously, there's dirty water. You don't want to keep using that and just spread the dirt around. It's got clean water that it puts in. So it really reduces the need for you just on occasions, much less like, or much less in terms of time frame than you would if it was just the vacuum cleaner, to actually empty out the docking station. They need to solve that problem for me next because mm. maybe that's once a month you've got to go and do that and that's not good <laughs> enough. Let's hook it up to some mains water and to Unless some the sort docking of station itself has its own vacuum that just spits it out and <laughs> blows it into the ether outside. That's right, yeah, it blows it onto the neighbour's yard or something like that. So, so but I, I love the idea that they finally got to the stage where it does do everything and it can detect the hard floor versus the carpet so it can change over between mopping and vacuuming. So that sounds like it's good. Wow. It doesn't talk about having a poo detection feature on there, but some of them do have now, so I'm guessing that it does have that, but it's also got voice assistant. Now, voice assistant is no big deal. We see lots of devices around the home that have got that capability. This voice assistant is particularly good, and I watched some videos of it, and it's particularly good because it's not trying to do everything. And I saw one great example where someone opened the fridge and deliberately put a bit of yogurt on the ground in front of the fridge, and then it was told the vacuum was told to come here and clean this up. Hmm. So it was clever enough to know where he was, right. detected voice. It was clever enough to know what type of cleaning, in other words, vacuuming or mopping. And its name is 
Eco, spelled Y-I-K-O, but pronounced Eco. And so you would say, okay, Eco, come and clean up where I am. And so it'll come over, it'll clean just that area, and then yeah, go back right. and dock and clean out its mopping or vacuuming or whatever it needs to have done. So I just like the idea of that. I like the idea that you can just walk out the door and say, go and start cleaning the house. You can talk to it. But it's good at recognising commands because it doesn't have to try and think of every word you can say. Unlike normal voice assistants, they're listening for every word, yeah, every right. nuance, every pronunciation, and so it gets it wrong, usually in some sort of comical manner, so many times. <laughs> or at least this has got a limited set of commands, so it's going to be able to hear those commands and work out what you're saying much better. So it's the next thing, James. It's the next thing in us being lazy and being able to sit around and look at our wearables Fantastic. to see just how unfit we're getting. <laughs> More on that later, I guess. Fitness gyms and mirrors. Apparently, there's nothing better than to look at how ripped you are as you squat a PB or curl 50 kegs on each bicep. Now, I don't know whether looking in a mirror is really going to motivate me or or knock the wind completely out of my sails, Matt, but uh, I guess for a lot of people, by looking into the mirror, they can either scream at themselves with the, the head talk as they crank through their powerlifting or, or maybe just congratulate themselves on how hot they have just become. <laughs> Matt, I don't know about this, uh, but this new high-tech fitness mirror is, is going to get us all exercising more, apparently. Sounds ambitious. Well, I want to know, first of all, did you research those terms? Are they terms you use on a daily basis? <laughs> you know, you, you gotta, do, do people really curl kegs? Is that, is that a term? Well, it's short for kgs rather than saying kgs. Yeah, right. Uh, that was from my uni days. Okay. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't doing 50 kegs on each bicep, though. <laughs> Maybe 10. <laughs> well, look, history always has a way of modifying facts a little bit. So what the heck? 50, 60, let's go with it. But uh, I'm impressed that you threw a few terms around like that because I'm not a gym goer. And no, no, no. one of the reasons... But this I'm, sounds like something out of Snow White. It does a bit. Yeah, mirror, yeah. mirror on the wall. Who's yeah. the ripped... Who's the ripped of them all? all. That's right. So uh, people do like to look at themselves in mirrors. And I've been in gyms. And one of the reasons I really don't like going to gyms is because (laughs) everywhere I look, there's there's me again. (laughs) And I'm not ripped. So why do I want to look at myself? But one thing I do like about this, so first of all, I think it's good for putting a mirror up. Great. But you can go and buy a mirror. What's the tech in a mirror? Mm. Well, there's a lot of tech in the initial creation or invention of a mirror. Mm. But we're not talking about tech now. But these mirrors do have some tech built in them. They've effectively got an inbuilt video screen as part of the mirror. So what you can do then, if you don't like going to the gym and either showing off how ripped you are amongst all those other people or showing off how not ripped you are amongst those other people who laugh at you, you can actually have a video in this mirror. So you can watch yourself and be watching someone else. Now, watching someone else can be pre-recorded video. You can get lots of online stuff, buy various workout sets and follow those along. Or you can have your own online trainer where you pay a small amount of money and have someone come and yell at you in the appropriate way to get you to to train harder. So it can be used in either way, but it's that integration between the mirror and the video screen built into the mirror, which is where I was impressed with the technology. It's got speakers built in, it's got microphone built in. So it's kind of like a TV is what I would think of, but then a TV that's a six foot tall reflective surface, i.e. mirror, that you can sit there and watch yourself while you're seeing something else on there. So it's quite a clever combination of those two. Getting us exercising more, whatever it takes to get you exercising more. If this is what it takes, then great, let's get us all fitter and healthier. But I think there will be people who would love this in their home gym rather than going out and having someone at the front of a classroom yell at them. And one of the things I'm always amused at, James, which is maybe another reason I don't like gym so much, is people will tell me that they got up at some ridiculous time in the morning, drove for 20 minutes to get to their gym to do a half-hour workout, and then drove home for another 20 minutes. <laughs> so you spent longer sitting in a car doing nothing to get to your half-hour workout, whereas I'd kind of prefer to go out my front door and jump on my bike and ride from here to... Yeah do some exercise that way. But anyway, we're getting too far into my personal habits here, James, rather than the technology. But I I like the idea of it. I don't know that I would ever use it personally, but heck, there's lots of things that we talk about that I wouldn't use. This is one of them, but I do like the technology in there. And there's probably other applications as well. Um, you know, I'm just thinking that maybe, you know, you've got makeup tutorials are a, um, are a big thing now on YouTube. Um, You're revealing more about it, your personal habits oh, now too, yeah, James. <laughs> I've got my favourite providers of makeup tutorials. Uh, well, <laughs> and I was just thinking about other applications. There's bound to be. This could be just the start or something. You know, well, it is. See, the same technology, and these aren't available yet, but these will be available, have got wellness mirrors. So instead of going to your doctor and saying, can you look at my body for some skin cancers, for example, in Australia, 
sorry, lots of people have little skin cancers popping up over their body. You can actually go to, and again, this isn't available yet, but you'll be able to buy a smart health mirror rather than a smart fitness mirror, and you'll be able to stand naked in front of the mirror rather than in front of the doctor, which I think people will be a little bit more comfortable with, and it can actually do a scan of your body and see what might need to be investigated a bit further, or yes, you should go to the doctor, I'm sorry, and take your clothes off and there's a part that the doctor needs to look at there but just monitoring some of those things and I think that would probably really be relevant on your face obviously we get more skin cancers on our face and other parts of our body so having that smart wellness mirror to look at your face in detail and Mm. then pick up things that might need to be investigated a bit further and we say it all the time James all of these things are good aids are good things to push us in the right direction but I always say don't rely on this for your totality of your medical advice Mm. When you do detect something, and that's what these are good at, is giving you an indication that maybe something needs to be looked at further, go and see someone that's spent a lot of years studying and actually does this on a day-to-day basis, like a doctor, for example, (laughs) (laughs) and and actually get some real advice. But at least it might give you a trigger. If you look in your smart wellness mirror and it says, oh, that spot on your face has been changing over the last month, go and look at that, then at least you've got a trigger to go and see a doctor rather than, oh, everything seems okay, I'm feeling okay, feeling healthy, I don't need to see a doctor, then suddenly you get in a situation where you should have seen a doctor a couple years ago mm, mm. well i reckon uh one of these mirrors got to be good good on the um outside of your fridge too just to say oh you're gonna eat all of that <laughs> you need one of those mirrors <laughs> that makes you slightly more rotund than you really are <laughs> <laughs> one of those mirrors that says are you back here again at the fridge or <laughs> <laughs> well, scales in front of your fridge it's a, a combination you can put in there Babies that will only sleep while the pram is moving. Oh, boy, I've been there. (laughs) The endless hours and the numb arm at the end. I remember one sleepless night at 4.30am, I finally had the brainwave that I'd throw throw our little one in the car seat and go for a drive. I cut laps of the town for an hour or so until he finally went quiet. I made my way home, pulled into the driveway with the sun gently rising over the, the back fence there and... With all the stance, a stealth of a, a ninja, I climbed out of the car and then opened the back door and just peeped into the car seat. And there he was. He woke up again. And it was like, ah, oh, back to square one. I only ever did that once. Well, you probably turned off the doof-doof music. That was probably a problem. <laughs> what I would have given for some sort of automated pram, Matt. Yeah, and so many things, James. Necessity is the mother of invention, oh, and I'm sure this has been needed. For I'm sure this particular invention came about exactly as you talked about. So many parents around the world have had their techniques: taking car, for, taking the baby for a drive in the car, yeah. rocking prams, putting certain TV shows, and all sorts of things. And this particular person had exactly that problem. But for his child, he found that the rocking of the pram—that was what mm. did it. But Sometimes the rocking of the pram was good enough to take his baby for a walk, the rocking of the pram, but if he stopped anywhere, stopped at traffic lights, stopped to get a coffee, anytime he stopped, that's that was it. it. Exactly as it. you talked about, the baby's eyes popped wide open. <laughs> oh, what's <laughs> going on here? Again. Yeah. So he went, I really like taking my child for a walk. I really like the solitude of no crying, but I like to get a coffee. How can I combine these two pursuits? <laughs> and so he came up with a little thing. He took apart a printer and he hooked up the little motor from a printer presumably in some sort of off-camber way, where it then just had some rocking motion, tied that to his pram, and then experimented with that. And so he'd go out, he'd get to his coffee place, his favourite coffee place, turn on the little printer motor, and it would sit there and just make the pram keep rocking back and forth a bit. (laughs) And he'd go over and get his coffee. He could actually even sit down and drink his coffee in peace. (laughs) And then when he'd go to take off again, he'd just turn the little printer motor off and away he'd go. So he thought that was fantastic. His brother-in-law had a bit of a chat to him about it. They said, well, you know... I think there's some other parents out there. You know James Eddy over in Australia? Maybe he's got <laughs> the same problem there. Maybe we should do something with this. So they actually created this whole So business. is this fitted to a just any old pram? Or yeah. is it yeah, right, it's okay. a device? It's a device that you actually fit oh, to your where pram. Was it 18 years ago? <laughs> That's right. Well, unfortunately, it was only in 2015 that the first problem was happening where this particular person was going okay. out taking his baby for walks. So a little bit late for us. Mm. But at the same time, huge, I think, for lots of other parents around the world, I'm sure. So... They've now got this little device. It's now being sold in 40 countries around the world. He's about to pick up a Queen's Award. I didn't know the Queen gave oh, out wow. awards apart from the knighting of people. So I don't think he's going that far. I don't think they he's going to one of those. <laughs> but he, yeah, he's got a device now that is sold all around the world from some little problem that he had that he thought he can solve with a little printer motor. So great to see a bit of invention, great to see a bit of necessity that drove this. And yeah, they're for sale right now. Uh, he's from England, obviously, getting a Queen's Award, but they're in sale 
scale in, in lots of places around the world. So well, well done. You said it last week that uh, innovations, you know, they come out and they just seem so obvious. Yeah. Why haven't we had this for like 30 years? That's right. <laughs> At least when we had kids, James, younger. Maybe the printers weren't of the same standard. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Now, who hasn't been caught out in an urgent situation by a phone that desperately needed a charge? Absolutely nobody. Everybody knows the anxiety that comes when you see that you've hit 5% and you're waiting on a big call and, and then a good Samaritan arrives with a charger to loan you. But it's the wrong sort. Matt, if only there was a better way. If only there was a single universal charger that we all agreed on companies, users, governments, that was the charger to use. If only, James, if only. If, if only we had this government that would step in and make decisions for us and, yeah, no. Well, some people would complain about that, James, because no, that would complain. be a government telling us what to do <laughs> and we need do. our own free will. So this has got a fair bit of history in this. This is really based around Europe, the 27 European countries in the European Union. They've been talking about this for some time. In fact, about a decade ago, they actually said to the manufacturers of electronic products, phones, Game Boys, all sorts of different devices, we would like you to put your heads together and come up with something that's universal because we don't like all the waste that's been created. At the moment, they're estimating in Europe alone, somewhere around the vicinity of 13,000 tonnes of waste, e-waste we're talking Mm. about here, from charges alone. Because in Europe alone at the moment, there's about half a billion charges are sold with various portable devices. We're moving house right now and I've got a large (laughs) box full of charges that belong somewhere to something, but I won't throw them out until I know. Exactly right because you can't get them again you find that little proprietary charger you can't get it again (sighs) so they started down this path and they said please put your heads together and of course the manufacturer said yeah okay thank you we've heard you and did nothing about it Mm. because manufacturers don't really like talking to each other my device is better than your device because it's got a different charger i've got seven pins you've only got six pins plus one and you're welcome to come and use my charger but at a cost Yeah. yeah we'll only charge you a licensing fee per charger so that didn't go so well there's been some discussion, and we've talked about this before, where some of the European Union has said, maybe we should do something a, a little bit more heavy-handed. So they've kind of gone down that path, and now we're at the point where, essentially, the European Union, there's a, a, a number of members of this, there's a particular subcommittee, I think you'd call it, and they've basically had a vote to say, we're going to make USB-C, USB Type-C, the universal charger. Wow. They voted on that, the subcommittee, 41 to 2. So 41 votes in favour of doing that, two votes against. And did, did Apple chuck a nana over this? Did they go absolutely crazy? Well, they've been chucking a nana over this for some time. When the European Commission talked about it previously, they said, and I find it somewhat amusing because they said, this will stifle innovation. If we've all got to use the one charging port, mm. it will stifle innovation. Our lightning port is so superior to USB Type-C, all the innovation will go. Now, the only thing they didn't mention in that was that the iPad Pro and the iPad Air both use USB-C. <laughs> the standard iPad. You're quite about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the iPhone use a Lightning port. So for some reason, their iPad Pro, which by the name of it would suggest it's better than the standard iPad, mm-hmm. is not as innovative as the standard iPad because it's got a USB-C Type-C charger. Perhaps they saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, maybe. And I think that is probably part of it. They've probably seen that this is going to happen. They can jump up and down a bit chuck a nana a bit, but mm. eventually I think they'll do it because if you had to sell, and this is where, sorry, if I just go back a step, the next step down this process is for the full, all the members, the 705 members of the full Legislative Council, I'm not sure the exact name of it, but the full European Union, they've got the next vote. And if they vote in favour of it, so the first vote, 41 to 2, that was kind of like a subcommittee. Yeah, wow. So that's, that's pretty, pretty comprehensive. Yeah. 705, sure, it could still go down, but if they vote in favour of it, then there'll be a timeline introduced where the governments across Europe, all the European Union members, they will then say, here's the legislation, all your manufacturers, you've got X amount of years, I assume, to get to that point where any new device that comes out has to have USB Type-C. Boom, right So when that happens, well, let's assume that happens, if slash when that happens, then I can't see any manufacturer saying, right, here's our device that we manufacture for the European market because it's got to have Type-C and here's the device, identical device, apart from the charging port that we manufacture for the rest of the world. Mm. I think in this case, and I think Europe's actually doing a pretty good job with a whole range of little 
incentives, initiatives, things that are moving towards net zero and moving towards net zero a bit faster than other countries around the world, I think they're doing a good thing. And I think this is just another step down that path. I'm not sure. Well, I suppose it probably does help us get to net zero because you're saving all that waste. But from a consumer perspective, oh, how much better is it going to be? Yeah, <laughs> it's just one yeah. charging port. You pull up to an airport now and you see some of those charging bays and they've got lots of different types of chargers there. Yeah. So many different things. Like you said, you're cleaning out your cupboard and you've got all these different chargers yeah. there. Just yeah. knowing that you've got USB Type-C, that covers, That's let's see, everything. About. It makes so much more sense. And we did talk about it last week or the week before where some batteries are now coming out with a USB Type-C port directly in the battery. So you don't even need to find yeah. a charger. You just plug straight into USB Type-C. So it's getting better and better all the time. If this goes through, which I assume it will and I hope it will, that will just make it better for consumers around the world. Well, I wonder who's holding the patent for USB-C because they're going to make a mozza, but congratulations to them. That's a very good question, James. I don't know who has the patent for USB Type-C. It's not me. No. Hmm. Anyway, someone obviously does, so that's a good question. Here's a question for you. Are you happy with your mobile hotspot? Does it have the guts to get the job done? As the need for smooth streaming and high-level data downloading grows and grows each year, along with the need to be able to do it from wherever you're sitting at the time, a decent mobile hotspot has become something of a necessity. Matt, there's a new button mobile device on the market and it's got more bands than Woodstock and the big day out combined. Am I right? You are showing your age now mentioning Woodstock, James. <laughs> I was a pup when Woodstock was on, but the big day out was a thing. Yeah, know, yeah, true, back, true. Yep, back yep. in the 90s and whatnot. And it's not like mobile hotspots are new. Mobile hotspots have been around for some time. I carry it with me all the time. You go to some places, you go to clubs in airports, for example, and they'll often have free Wi-Fi, but so many other people are using them that it's usually not great. So I carry a hotspot with me just for convenience and just be able to use it wherever you might be. But there are hotspots and then there are hotspots. Mm. And that's usually reflected in the price. Some people see hotspots for $50, $100. Obviously, people often buy them on plans, but the outright cost them those sort of dollars. And they go, oh, that's a hotspot. And then they say a hotspot for $1,000. Well, what's that got? Well, let me tell you what the $1,000 hotspot's got <laughs> that the $50 or $100 hotspot hasn't got. So they're coming out in 5G now. That seems pretty obvious. This newest hotspot has got, when you mention every band, yes, this has got every band of 5G known across the world. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. It doesn't matter what 5G provider you're nearby. As long as you've got a SIM card that's relevant or you've got some roaming agreements in place, it'll pick it up. So that's the, you know, the millimeter or the MM wave. 5G, it's got all the sub-6 5Gs as well, N78, N2, N5, etc. So basically, if it's got 5G, this one's got it covered. Yeah, what well. that means for you is that you're going to get speed. So you're going to get some pretty impressive speeds. Again, if you've got some sort of connectivity to 5G, but if you haven't, it'll drop back to 4G, 3G, as you'd expect. So you're covered pretty well there. Wi-Fi, we've got a whole range of different Wi-Fi bands and standards out there. This has got those as well as Wi-Fi 6E, which is the newest standard of Wi-Fi. So it will give you up to 3.6 gigabits per second in wireless transfer speeds on your Wi-Fi. So yeah, that's pretty impressive. Mm. It's also got Ethernet. Now, not just gigabit Ethernet. It's got 2.5 gigabit Ethernet. So gigabit's been the standard for some time. So you get one gig per second. This has now got two and a half gigs. Now, whatever you're plugging it into needs to have two and a half gigs at the other end, obviously, mm. but it's got that ability to go faster. So every component of it goes faster than everything else. So if you just want speed, but more importantly, if you want speed for a group of people, because you can have 32 devices connected to the Wi-Fi, wow. for example, at the same time. So you turn up to your Qantas club and you can have 31 of your closest friends around you using your same hotspot if the speed isn't All good enough there. All downloading the human genome. <laughs> that's that's yeah. exactly right, yeah. <laughs> and it will be no surprise to you whatsoever that the charging port on this device is USB Type-C. Say what? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Go figure. But it's got USB 3.2 Type-C, which is the latest version of USB-C. It's got a battery inside it, obviously, so you can just sit there and use it. Probably the only thing, if it's going to be critical of any part of this particular one, the only thing that you might be critical of it is because it's got all the devices that have got, or all the components that have got the latest speed, they tend to use a little bit more power. So the battery will only give you, quoted, six hours of a continuous YouTube playback. Only. Only, yep. Yeah, right. So if you're trying to do a day's work and your day's work includes just, watching YouTube all day, just watching YouTube. you might not get through the full <laughs> day's work. The previous version of this, which didn't have quite as impressive speed specs with the same battery, used to get you nine hours. So you used to get through a full day with that one. Mm. Of course, if you're sitting somewhere like a 
airport or wherever, you can find a PowerPoint, plug it in, it'll keep running forever off that, obviously. So mm. you've got that ability. But again, I just find I carry mine in my bag that I carry my computer in and it's just turn it on and I'm not usually using it for more than half an hour, 20 minutes, an hour at a time. Yeah, yeah. So six hours of continuous playback and I probably don't just do YouTube playback. It's probably more checking emails or researching things on the web. So you're doing a bit, but it's that's where it's going to really use it when it's streaming that large bandwidth. Uh, you've also got a screen on there, a touch screen on there, 2.8-inch touch screen, so you can see what's going on, which is handy, and you can show everyone the password for you to be able to connect to the Wi-Fi on there on the screen. <laughs> now, it's got, a, it's got a pin on there, so you can actually stop people looking at that and seeing that, but it is just nice to be able to see what's happening on there rather than guessing is it connected. What's that blue flash? Is the blue flash the one I want, or the green flash? What's the right flash of the light? Whereas when you've got a screen on there, you can see exactly what's going on. So this is where we're getting to, and it's getting to the point where if you're in a home and you're thinking about getting an MBN connection, you might consider how much data you use, the price of plans, oh, and yeah. people are saying to choose these. In fact, there was a stat that came out from a carrier about a year ago that said approximately 35% of people that will have access to the MBN will choose to use 5G instead. And there are a few reasons for that. One might be the speed. One might also be if they're not a high-end user, not using a lot of data, then sometimes the plans they've got access to can be cheaper using 5G rather than using an MBN connection. MBN's great if you've got lots of data that you want to use because the plans are good in terms of unlimited plans. Most of the 5G plans have got lower limits or they've got some limit on them. But and typically, I think you'll find, again, I think that 35% is probably pretty accurate. And if you did have this set up in your home, just to give you that comfort, it's also got two external TS9 antenna ports. So you could put an external antenna on your house as well if you really want to maximise that 5G oh, wow. reception. What hasn't it got, James? Does it come with two aluminium foil hats at least? Uh, optional accessories. Yeah, right, you can okay. pay some extra to get case, those. Yeah, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Now, the days of brain-scraping COVID rat and PCR tests, they, they're numbered. COVID-19 breath tests are now on the way. Folks, get excited. Raise your hands to the sky and say, praise the pharmacists. Matt, we've talked about recording our coughs on an app. Now there's this new breathalyzer. Can we finally have a big ceremony and bury the remaining nasal swabs in a big pit in the backyard? <laughs> oh, James, I've just gone and bought 500 rats to make some money off them. Oh, no, what am I going to do with all those yeah, rats Yeah, that was going to be the, uh, the big way to make cash, wasn't oh, it? It was. People were doing it. They were buying hundreds. Oh. They were buying thousands and selling them for ridiculous amounts of money. So they don't want to hear about this, do they? <laughs> but we did talk about coughing to detect COVID-19. But this now is, well, we're pretty familiar with breath tests for alcohol. Obviously, there's bre alcohol in our breath when we breathe it out and it's getting rid of those waste products there in our breath. Mm -hmm. What researchers have discovered is that effectively your body is getting rid of other waste products in our breath as well. It's just a matter of trying to get equipment that's A, sensitive enough to detect those and B, tuned to exactly what it's looking for. This research started out as not necessarily COVID-19 research. It started out as testing for what else could be detected in someone's breath. And cancer was one of those things that they were trying to oh, test wow. for. So in advancing that technology and obviously seeing that there was probably a greater need for quick detection of COVID-19 and maybe easy to detect as well, they've come up with this breath test where it actually can pick up COVID-19 in a very short period of time. So a bit longer than a breath test on the side of the road for alcohol, but you're talking about 30 seconds. And the researchers are saying one of the ways that we should be using this straight away, now the researchers might have a vested interest here in encouraging people to use it, but they think crowd control, this would be perfect for a crowded environment, going in to see a big concert, going to Woodstock, for example, mm. going to any of those large venues, having people there with a rat or a PCR, well a PCR is going to be no good because I'll test you now and yeah, you can come back you, to the concert tomorrow night. Find out another hour or two. That's right. Yeah. And, and rats, they don't take too long, but they're fairly expensive from yeah. that perspective. So I imagine the additional cost of tickets was they believe that this would be a convenient way. Here's the line. You go into, have your breath test, just wait 30 seconds. Yep, you're clear. In you go. Sorry, I know you've paid all this money for a ticket. And I know you're really desperate to go and see this particular. But guess what? Yeah. you got something else. You're in the other room out there or you're <laughs> in the go back home queue over there. But it, it does sound fascinating. And then you start to think what else could we do, like cancer, for example, what are the diseases, what are the ailments could we detect from our breath? And obviously there are lots of things we could detect. COVID-19 has progressed lots of things in technology. We've mm, talked about it before it? with video conferencing, adoption of technology, QR codes, hello, QR mm. codes. But maybe 
you're always looking for the silver lining, James. And I do feel for people, anyone that's lost a loved one or anyone that's lost their life or still has ongoing symptoms from COVID-19, but maybe one of the positives that can come out of COVID-19 is this sort of thing where we can detect a whole range of diseases earlier than we ever would have thought of detecting them before. It sounds fascinating. Well, yeah, we we know that in science... um Science is always accelerated by times of need, uh, and that that has often been associated with wartime. And so we get these massive developments in science around wartime. Well, we were fighting an alien uh, over the last two years that uh, had invaded, and um, and so there was no end of resources thrown into it. Yeah, 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 and this could also be used for the flu. And one of the things that we've talked about is the fact that the number of flu infections and the number of people that have had the flu, and obviously people do die from the flu each year in normal times, has dropped dramatically because we've all learned to wash our hands and mm. not shake hands and not hug and kiss everyone that we see down the street. So they're all good things and people have been staying away from each other. But obviously that's going to ramp up again. But again, this is the same sort of thing. This could detect the flu. So if you want to go and visit your grandmother in a nursing home, for example, you just have a quick breath test. Oh, it looks like I've got the flu. I better stay away from grandma. Yeah. So lots of things. I can see this being really exciting going forward and I can see lots of applications for it, but in the short term, definitely, we're not we're not out of COVID nineteen yet. Yeah, that's right. And some expert commentators, some scientists have been talking about the fact that we're starting to relax and get very complacent because we think it's all okay. But people are still dying from COVID nineteen, yeah, so right. we still need to keep researching and working out better solutions. Exactly. Space colonization is going to happen. It's it's just a question of when. But is this bold venture going to be reserved for purely just vegans? We're, we're, we're said to see, sorry, we're yet to see how cows and sheep respond to weightlessness and they don't fit very well into spacesuits. Matt, we've talked about growing real meat in laboratory conditions. Is meat production a possibility at all in space? And will McDonald's be setting up shop on the moon? <laughs> that's, that's something I haven't thought of. Who's going to be first on Mars or the moon with their their logo, yeah. their sign, the yeah. big M or whatever it might be. So I don't know. I can't answer that question for you. But what I can answer is that we've talked about meat grown in the laboratory and that's fascinating, a whole range of things. Go back and listen to episode whatever number it was that we talked about yeah. that. But this is talking about exactly as you say, we are looking at going further afield. We are looking at going out into space. We are and it's going to happen. Yeah. It will. And people say, oh, look, you know, but we've got to throw all the resources back here on Earth. Well, yes, we've got to throw a lot of resources to what's happening on Earth, but space colonisation will happen. If for no other reason than there's some people with stupid amounts of money in their name that have nothing else to do with their money but go and build space companies and go and yep. colonise other parts of our interplanetary, or no, our planetary system, not interplanetary yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. It might be a bit further away from that. But we, we, this might let us get to interplanetary travel because this is talking about doing some testing at this stage and they've actually already started the process just a couple of weeks ago. They sent some people up with the tools, with the components needed to grow meat in a laboratory. It's done on Earth, obviously very small mm. sample space. Obviously on Earth we're trying to grow larger quantities. But they've taken that up into a zero gravity or minimal gravity environment to see if they can grow meat in that same environment. So you might think, well, what's the point? All the components that you need to grow meat, you might as well just eat those components individually rather than turn it into something else, which is obviously made up of those components in the first place. But if we are going to colonise other areas and we are going to attract people and want people to go and do it, making things as Earth-like as possible, I think, will be the way we'll get those people there in the first place. So to say, here's your evening meal, take this pill, I don't know if that's that attractive for some people. Maybe <laughs> well, some people like that right. idea. And, and throughout history, any colonisation that happened, people brought bits of home with them. Yeah, um, Because right. they, you know, it wasn't a case of just we'll, we'll pick up whatever resources are there and just use those resources. Yep. They um, they always brought a bit of home to try and make it as, as homely as possible. It's a human condition. That's right. So if they can get to the stage, and I, I'm struggling to think why you wouldn't be able to grow meat in that minimal gravity environment, but it let's... might be a little less flat and a little bit more blobby perhaps, but you never know. It could have a different texture to it. Exactly right. But... Why not test it out? Why not do it? Which is exactly what they're doing at the moment. They've mm. taken those components to actually do the experimentation in that environment that they'll be in when they do go off further afield. So it sounds fascinating. Mm. People are still getting comfortable. Well, maybe not. People are still uncomfortable in some circumstances with lab-grown meat here on Earth. Meanwhile, we're taking it out into space and see what we can do with it out there. So stay tuned for this one. It's fascinating. You just can't hold back progress. No. <laughs> 
Now, as the squeeze tightens on petrol-powered motors, the business of gardening is becoming a hell of a lot quieter. The demand for electric mowers and blowers has gone through the roof, and in some places in the States, people aren't even getting the option to go petrol anymore. They're not. Matt, the smell of summer in my youth was cut grass and petrol exhaust. (laughs) The kids of tomorrow will never know. They'll never know. They'll smell the cut grass, which does smell nice, doesn't it? Yeah, I do I, like yeah, the smell of cut grass. There was something about the freshly mowed lawn, yeah. but it always had that, that little um, echo of, of petrol fumes. And it would have been two-stroke <laughs> motors back when you yeah, were in. Yeah, 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 so it was sure. that extra tinge of, of petrol mixed with a <laughs> with bit of oil. Of oil, oil yeah, 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 that's right. So we've talked about some places around the world, some states in some countries and some whole countries that have gone for their petrol ban or their internal combustion engine ban for motor vehicles. Some mm. of those are... 2025, 2030, 2035, we haven't really talked about the other implements that burn petrol that you use around the home. And I'm proud to say that I've been petrol-free in my home for, gee, I'd I'd say a decade. No, maybe Mm. not quite a decade. It'll be a long time, though. I bought my first robotic lawnmower in about 2010, replaced the old petrol lawnmower back in those days. But I might have still had a petrol whippersnipper for a few years. Mm. But now every device I've got there, I've just got one brand that's got the same battery that goes across a whole bunch of different devices. So whippersnippers, little chainsaws. Yeah. We're moving the same way at our place. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's just a common thing. It's, it, it is. And, and the stores are actually stocking a lot more of a yeah. range of, of the electric stuff yep. than of the petrols. And it makes it so much easier. Yeah. Now, back in the day, say you had the, the chainsaw, when your wife wanted to do some chainsaw, you have to go out and pull the ripcord and get it started yeah. before you handed it over to oh, it. Now, I can just sort of go and get the batteries out and start doing the, the chainsawing herself. So and mixing the two-stroke petrol, that's that's a pain in the neck. It was a pain, that's right. So it's getting to the stage now where this is the next little mini frontier before we get to the car frontier. This is happening easier because it's obviously easy to change some of those products over. You probably don't have range anxiety Mm. to the same level. Oh no, what about if I get halfway through my lawn and then I run out of battery power? Well, you could probably go inside and have a cup of tea (laughs) or you could probably just change the batteries over. So you've got options there. And again, it's very clever, the companies that are doing the one battery to fit all the devices, because yeah. then it encourages you, which is what I've got. I've got a, a charging deck that has six batteries in there, yeah. so I can just have all those batteries in there, and you can just use them across different devices and have multiple batteries ready to go. But California is the first one I've seen that's really going to go hard on this. By 2024, they're not only going to ban the sale of gas-powered lawn tools, but they're going to stop for example, contractors, landscapers, using those tools in their day-to-day work. Now, some of these people are obviously complaining because there's going to be a cost associated with it. They're going to have to replace some of their existing equipment. I think in the short term, they'd probably be able to sell it to some other states and actually go and buy some of the new equipment. But when you start to combine cars that have got PowerPoints on them, Mm. we've seen some of the electric models that have got exactly that, and then you've got your devices that need batteries to actually operate, it starts to make sense that you go, well, I better change my vehicle over to be one that's got a big battery and that's got charging points on it and all my tools. So if I'm a contractor, I buy all my tools with the one brand and have my rack of batteries there so I can get through my day's work and keep those batteries charging that I'm not using while I'm doing that. I think it all makes sense. And of course, the maintenance on these things as well, just just maintaining the mowers, getting your, your mower and, or your leaf blower or whatever serviced because it was like a, a petrol driven Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So this is happening. They're changing over now. They've set some timeframes there to make sure that these changes happen. I'm sure here a bit of pushback from some people in these industries, maybe some people getting close to the end of their retirement or end of their working life. Maybe they don't want to go on retool their whole yeah. business who knows there'll be some other people who don't believe in it don't want to know about it but it's happening it's happening as, as sure as it's happening on an individual basis in terms of individual homes it's going to happen on that commercial basis and when you think about how much petrol the commercial users would burn compared to a home user home user might use their lawnmower once a week once a fortnight a commercial one's using it all day every day so obviously mm. they're burning a lot more than home users so it makes a lot of sense to go down that particular path and, um, you know, for those people, you know, trying to hold back progress, I think King Canute had a better chance of holding back the tide, didn't he? Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big change and getting people to get their head wrapped around it's big. But when you do it, it's just it's so much easier. You put the battery yeah. in, you press the button, you start using that device, that's it. goes flat, you swap it over to a new one. Worst thing you might have to do is 
wait for it to charge up a bit. But yeah, you don't have to go down to the servo. I don't know how it used to happen, but I guarantee there was someone that used to siphon my petrol out of my petrol can in my lawn, <laughs> in my tool shed because every time you go to mow the lawn, oh, yeah. I've now got to waste 20 minutes to go down to the petrol station to fill it up and bring it back. And yeah, I don't know how I ever got more than one week out of it. It seemed like every time I wanted to mow the lawn, it was always empty. Fewer complaints for the neighbours as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, true, true. And you've got limits about how early you can mow the lawn because of a noisy lawnmower. I've never had any complaint about my robotic lawnmower, which does go through the middle of the night sometimes. Yeah. So no one's ever said, oh no, I can just lay there in bed really still in the middle of the night. I can just hear that little yeah. whir of that motor going. <laughs> so yeah, a whole range of reasons. But it, it's happening. And I'd encourage people to get out and have a look at some of these devices. They're quite impressive, some of these yeah. new devices they've got that are battery powered. And it's the battery power you've got now is quite impressive in terms of the power. It's mm. not as if you go, well, I've got long lawn, so I need extra power to get through that lawn. These devices are powerful. Yeah. Matt, you're off the leash for this next one. Developments in the EV world are going off like a frog in the sock. Matt, you've got free run. What's happening everywhere else in the world except for Australia? <laughs> I had a few EV stories. I went, oh, I don't try and do too many EV stories, so I'll just try and leave them out and leave them out. But there, there's so many happening this week. There's a lot of stuff happening. That I actually combine them all into one just very brief snapshot summary of where we're Strap headed. yourself in, folks. So just a few quick little snapshots here. The Ford F-150, it is going out the door like nothing else. We've talked about it before. 200,000 reservations of the Ford F-150 Lightning. That is doing fantastic and things. isn't that that's significant because Americans love their big pickup trucks yeah. and they're flocking towards the Ford F-150. They are. And like every other car manufacturer, every other car model at the moment, they're struggling to get enough parts to get everything out the door. Mm. So they're struggling to get the, the volume they need, but people are still ordering. They had a, an initial target of 150,000 a year they're going to produce per, sorry, 150,000 a year. But they're now working on ramping up their production to produce 450,000 a year. So that's the change that they've seen. So Ford, who it would be fair to say didn't really jump on board from the beginning and go, yay, this electric whole process, this revolution is not really something we're looking at. But once they saw the writing on the wall, they've gone, wow, this is happening. This is happening big. So Ram, and we've seen the big Ram trucks. I see them driving around Australia. And I just, I, I look at them and I go... Who needs that? That is a yeah. big beast, especially when you see someone jump out in their suit and go into an office when they park <laughs> it down the main street. But they are big. They're only just inside the legal limit of a length of a car. And you see it when they park because mm. they stick out a fair way when yeah, they park. They yeah. But they haven't really been pushing the Ram EV concept because they've had their nice big engines that spew out lots of fumes and that's what they think their users want. But once they've seen their Ford F-150 go off, they've said, right, we're going to try and steal a bit of thunder from you. Excuse the lightning really? pun there. And so you're going to tell me that Ram's going to have an EV model? They're going to. They're just about to launch a new Ram EV. They haven't given any specs on it. They haven't done anything. I think they're just trying to tease it because they're so far behind. Yeah. They're going, wow, how do we... Tell people, wait for us, please. I know we'll tease something out. We'll release a few details. We'll get some things happening so that we're hiding the fact that we're years away from actually producing this. And I think they are some time away. But they've obviously seen what the F-150 is doing and said, we've got to be on that bandwagon. We've got to get there. So Mm. that'll be, and I'm sure it'll be an impressive vehicle when they do actually finally come out with it. It'll be a big beast of a vehicle. It'll be very powerful. It'll do wonderful things. And like the F-150, I'm sure it'll have lots of trinkets that'll help people like the front fridge and the F-150 when you open up the the bonnet and there's a frunk in there and it's got a fridge in there to put all your <laughs> things when you go out camping and PowerPoints on it and all sorts of things. Uh, so GM doesn't be left behind either. Now GM have got their electrified version of the Chevy Corvette coming next year. And the Chevy Corvette is a bit like the Ford Mustang where maybe part of the reason you used to buy an old Mustang or an old Chevy, uh, an old Corvette, sorry, is because you wanted to hear that loud noise. You wanted mm. to impress your friends down the main street when you made it. It's about the lines as well, the shape of the car, and yeah, there's a sexiness about it. But yeah, yeah the, the, the revving engine, yeah, for sure. And again, I would suspect that GM have looked at Ford and gone, oh, you know, that electric thing. They brought out the Mustang E version, and it seems to be going okay, and people are raving about it. And gee, it's fast, and oh, they've got this F one fifty. Wow, there's something in this. So GM are saying, well, we better go and do our muscle car, the old muscle car term, and get an electrified version of that. So they're bringing out one next year or they're announcing it next year. Not sure how far away that will be, but obviously they don't want to be missing out on this either. And then you go to the Germans, and the Germans are still a bit dirty. We've talked about that before, <laughs> letting Tesla come and build a gigafactory in Germany. So Mercedes-Benz we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so BMW this week have just debuted their new 7 Series flagship. They're not going to get left behind. 
they're trying not to be left behind. A lot of these guys are being left behind already, but they're trying to catch up. And what BMW have done is, apart from having a nice electric vehicle, so they've got a, a nice 400 kilowatt motor, 745 newton meters. It's a big sedan, but it can go zero to 100 in about 4.7 seconds. So it's nice in terms of that acceleration, but they're trying to do other things in there. So if you're sitting in the back seat of a BMW 7 Series sedan, and if you're buying a 7 Series sedan, you've probably got almost enough money to pay someone to drive the car for you. So the back seat is more important as far as they're concerned the front seat. You've got a 31.3-inch panoramic a panoramic touchscreen <laughs> that drops down for you to watch your movies in full widescreen. That's a huge screen. Yeah, wow. And one of the challenges for BMW was to make this automated as it came down and went back up again, but also make it safe in the case of an accident. Because I was thinking of that particular politician I was talking about earlier to mm. make a yeah, safe that, electric vehicle. That's yeah. right. So putting a huge screen in front of your head, and if you have a collision, a front-end collision, then the first thing that's going to happen is your head's going to hit that screen. So mm. getting that right, getting the vision for the driver to still be able to see out the back of the car right with this big screen that drops down. So they've worked on all that. But this is a huge private cinema in the back seat of your BMW 7 Series wow. sedan. So, and I think what people are doing, or manufacturers are doing when they're releasing some of these EV models, is they're looking at what other tricks and gimmicks can we add in, because everyone's going to have an EV. How can we make ours a bit better? What can we do to dress it up, to bling it up a bit? How can we make it better than other ones? And so we've seen things like PowerPoints, we've seen things like fridges built in, BMW solutions to put it basically a cinema. You just sit there in the back seat of your car. It's quiet enough, let's face it, that you're not going to hear this roar of an engine. Yeah. You have someone sitting there driving the car for you and you just sit back and just catch up on some movies. So and the driver has to listen to Toy Story blaring in the back seat right. there. Yeah, maybe, maybe they've got some I've sort of separation of sound between the front <laughs> and the back. Yeah, that's right. You know all the words for Toy Story, but you don't know what's happening on the, the screen. Kids yeah. had their DVDs running, yeah. And the last one briefly is that the New York Police Department fleet has its first electric electric vehicle. They aim to be carbon neutral by 2050, which seems to me just way too far away, but they want all of the the whole New York City, all of their vehicles, that's every part, every division, they want all of them electric by 2035. So they've been so trying to... So baddies can't hear them sneaking up. That's right. And, and let's face it, if you're driving along in your huge V8 making lots of noise and then the police came up behind you in an EV... You just go, yeah, I give up now. There's no, I've got no chance of getting yeah, away from you. Yeah. In the old days, you might have had your nice, hot, fast car, but unless you've got an EV as well, then you've got no hope because <laughs> EVs are just so quick. So they're, they're moving all of this way. So electric garbage trucks, uh, they're ordering a, a whole range of different vehicles. They've just ordered 184 Mustang Mach-E's. Obviously, the Chevy Corvette's not out early enough for them. They'll be in there police force, but lots of other departments are going down this track so that essentially the way they're saying that we're going to move forward is to replace our fleet. And it makes so much sense. I'd love to see state and federal governments in Australia do exactly the same thing where they just put a mandate out and say, next year, 30% of those purchases need to be electric. That would mm. just make a huge difference across this nation. But anyway, it's good to see some places around the world doing it. But I, I think that'd be pretty cool. There's Down in Victoria, there's one police car that's a Model X Tesla. And again, people made all the jokes when it came out, oh, do you have to pack a long extension lead with it? And yeah, you know, in a car chase, you just course. have to go 500 kilometres and then they ha can't fill up with petrol and you just run away with them once they get to that point and all sorts of things. But again, I think we'll see lots of different areas, lots of different departments moving to electric, which just makes such a huge difference. Mm. Well, it really feels like we're peeping over a neighbour's fence here <laughs> at a bunch of toys that we would have if we could have, but sadly can't. If only mum story. and dad would get on board. <laughs> Well, on that, well, desolate note, we'll uh, wind up another episode of Tech Talk with Matthew Dickerson. Thanks for punching out another cracking uh, lineup there, mate. Did you notice? I almost got away with no EV stories, but had to have the last uh, one there. But no scam stories. That's right. No scam stories this no week. No scam so stories. I keep trying to do that, but sometimes good. it's just too well, too much. You've got to report on the news. Yeah, true. I'm James Eddy. It's been an absolute pleasure bringing you the news from the future. For the better part, I reckon it looks pretty good, provided. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in, folks. See you again in another week.